we're going deep when we're talking about big things like consent, boundaries, things like that, because we've had our, everyone has had their whole lifetimes of experience around those things, whether they've been respected or not been respected. And everyone shows up in this ecosystem and we're going to try to like change (laughs) how people think about these things. And because we're trying to go deep, we have Mm. to go slow. Whether you're looking to achieve financial freedom, boost your personal development, or enhance your business acumen, you are in the right place. My name is Simone Simaluka Radzins, and I am on a journey for true business freedom, and I want to have you along for the ride. Each week, we dive deep into the topics that empower you to live a more free and fulfilling life, and also give you the tools to do that in your business. I'm so curious because I feel like our last chat was really in the middle of the pandemic, like very probably begin. It was still beginning, like first lockdown hadn't even happened. And we were both still focused on cannabis. And then I'm curious, what was it that made you shift? And I want to say grows to the word that comes to my mind, grow into expanding what you're currently doing, because it's such, what was that defining moment for you? I think it was a couple different things. And just to clarify, like I was doing a film about cannabis, but I never really felt like I was in the cannabis industry. Like I still felt like I was. Oh my God. I felt like you were fully in it as the storyteller. So it's interesting about perception. (laughs) Not, I knew you weren't, but you didn't have a business in it, but you were Mm -hmm. such, in my mind, you're such a pivotal role for women in the cannabis space that I always just thought, she's in the cannabis space. So that's, isn't that funny how we all have different perceptions about things? That's, that's, thank you for that. It's really wonderful to hear because I had felt like I was the outsider. If I'm documenting something, like I can't, even Mm. though I put myself in the film, that was, and that was the first time I put myself in one of my films because I felt like the audience needed an on-camera narrator to be like, come with me. I'm a safe person. I'm going to learn this with you. (laughs) We're going to go talk to some people. But because of that, you kind of have to distance yourself a little bit when you're not the main character of something, because I'm trying to be objective, even though like that's kind of a loaded word and big discussions around who gets to be objective and things like that. But I told stories about other things, not just cannabis, right? So I guess I was still bringing that identity with me. But I had to shift my identity again, because now the film industry is a mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been a mess for a long time, but we're really seeing it. And I think one of the one of the pivots that happened was our film, Mary Jane's The Women of Weed, premiered on the festival circuit the same day the Harvey Weinstein story broke in the New York Times. Me Too movement and Mary Jane kind of converged on the same weekend. And while we were talking about gender and film and power dynamics and all of these things swirling together, it just felt like it. everybody was going to do a film about it. And we're trying to fix the industry, the film mm-hmm. industry at the same time. And I was like, there's bigger things in this ecosystem that need help. Part of the Me Too movement launched this role or popularized a role called an intimacy coordinator. And that's somebody who comes on as an advocate and a liaison between the actors and the directors when there are scenes of simulated sex, nudity, or this loose term called hyperexposure. 
So that could be, is there a medical procedure happening on camera or like any of these other things that just feel vulnerable and are dealing with bodies in close proximity and mm. trying to camouflage things for camera angles. And I'm so glad a role like that exists. And for me, that didn't quite feel big enough. Mm. That's happening with a couple actors and a director in certain scenes and the rest of the time you're like, good luck, hopefully nobody's oppressed while I'm not here. Hopefully no one's <laughs> harassed or coerced when I'm not here. And I was like, I really wanna figure out like how to help the ecosystem so that mm. how we tell stories is as important as the types of stories we decide to tell. Mm. And so th that larger concept brought me to this new role called a consent forward artist. So there was a certification for that. So I did that. And that means I can help people in any entertainment industry, film, television, theater, dance, live performance, music, anytime there's some sort of performative element, I can assist either the creators, the performers, even people backstage. But we're really starting to think about boundary consent, trauma-informed practices, power dynamics, things like that. And my theory, and mm -hmm. I hope it proves true, my theory is that if we can fix those things upstream, by the time we get to the production, whether it's working with actors or real people, all of those things have really been soaked into the soil. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that way the performance can grow from this place where people feel respected and valued. And I feel like our storytelling is going to get richer because we have that. It seems that way. Also, it seems like if you're working upstream, how much you can impact the people who are actually watching it and consuming mm -hmm. it and being entertained by it. Because mm -hmm. you think about an old James Bond film from the 1950s and you're like, what? And you trade yeah. women this way. It's just, it's so wild. And I feel like with all of these movements, everything has accelerated in terms of how we're thinking about things and why we're saying things and why we're doing things. And there's such an impact on the general population about entertainment. Like we just consume yeah. it all the time. And to be able to really, yeah, I love what you focus on. It's like, how do I fix the ecosystem? Like, it's good. And you knew it was too small. That one little role is like, how do I really fix it? Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, like, as you started to get into how do you fix it, you, st you started to take this training. It's like, what did you start seeing? Because like, mm -hmm. do, do you have that point? Because I always think about it for me as like, whenever mm -hmm. it's like the awareness of, holy shit, mm -hmm. this is happening. What did you start mm -hmm. to see? Before I dove all the way in, I job shadowed an intimacy coordinator just to see, I take it uh, like the level one training. And I was mm -hmm. like, eh, before I spend a, a lot more money because mm -hmm. training can be expensive, certification yep. can be expensive. So before I, I took the next level, I decided to job shadow an intimacy coordinator. And my takeaways were the actors and the director we're not the only people who were grateful that this role existed, which I found fascinating because there are other departments like the producers, the hair and makeup places, 
typically the roles where there are other women or other people of color or other marginalized communities, right? Because film is still very white and male in a lot of places. But those other folks, you could just see their shoulders drop. And by the middle of the day, they were just like, thank you so much for being here. Because I don't have to worry about the mental and the physical health of the actors today. I don't have to be the safe place because they're coming to my trailer upset about something happened or they're freaked out because they are not sure how it's going to work today. Like they didn't have to have carry all of that plus do their job to make sure that everybody looks great and their clothes stay on. Yeah. <laughs> all these other things happen. Lunch shows up on time. Like they just got to do their jobs because they mm. knew that, okay, the actors are taken care of in this scene today. So that appreciation and that awareness of how it affected everybody else really made sense to me. And it also made me go, yeah, I don't want to just do this. I also, just having been in the film production industry, have a hard time being on other people's sets because I'm like, that's not how I would do it. <laughs> I've done this for 20 years. Don't put your lights there. Like, you're going to lose the light. You're going to have to reshoot everything when the sun goes down. Like, now we're in overtime. <laughs> Just these things you learn along the way. You, did it. Yeah. you learned the hard way. So that was the big kind of learning on the job moment where I was like, yes, I think this is, this can be a thing, mm. but it, it's slow. And I recognize that urgency has its roots in white supremacy. I understand that concept. And when you're trying to do big change mm. and you're seeing harm done, I still run headfirst be like, how can we help the most people as fast yeah. as possible? So I have that gas break sort mm. of thing within me. And something finally made sense to me. I heard the saying, if you want to go deep, you have to go slow. Mm. And we're going deep when we're talking about big things like consent, boundaries, things like that. Because we've had our, everyone has had their whole lifetimes of experience around those things, whether they've been respected or not been respected. And everyone shows up in this ecosystem and we're going to try to like change <laughs> how people think about these things. And because we're trying to go deep, we have mm. to go slow. And I think that's another challenge when you're in a entertainment industry because time is money. That's another carryover from capitalism and yeah. white supremacy. But we waste so much money is the mindset on mm. pre-production where we know we're going to need it for the performance or the production. It's actually if we slow down and do the work on the front end, things are going to go a lot smoother. And that's still a tough sell for creatives yeah <laughs> sorry it's oh, like pre-education especially now mm -hmm. yeah because yeah, it's you have to do this pre-education because the film industry entertainment industry is shifting so people are concerned about numbers which is very frustrating but at the same token it's yeah if you have to go this deep how do you get to go deep I'm curious about the work that you do, because if I just think about self-development and how we were talking offline about, can you think of, if I could think of any stories about consent, I thought to myself, I was like, I can't think of any. And I think what happens is that when we are surviving or when we've been, we've had so many experiences in our life and those that are traumatic, if they've happened in childhood, our subconscious is like hiding that from us. And it's only until we're really ready until we've explored it, all of that. And so 
I'm so curious because it is so true. You do have to go slow for any of this mm -hmm. deep work. How you even begin the process with people, establishing a relationship with you, being able to trust you. Mm -hmm. How does that even work? Yeah, how I'm doing it now is yeah. I'm having lots of one-on-one -on -one conversations. Yeah. Um, and I'm starting in Portland, Oregon to do these workshops, these consent forward mm. creativity workshops. And I'm putting together some grant funding. So hopefully I can do a series of workshops so we can step through the process with a couple, a couple different lenses. And the big thing I think is just getting people to think about numbers. So mm. if we think about the number of women, men, and non-binary people who have experienced some sort of traumatic event in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have to be sexual, mm -hmm. doesn't have to be like physical violence, but mm -hmm. most of us are walking into a space with some sort of trauma, right? Yeah. It can be grief, it can be loss, it can be injury, it can be violence, it can be anything, right? So if you, we just have the awareness that like, hey, most of us are showing up with some stuff so mm. let's try to be gentle around mm. the known areas and also have an awareness or the personal awareness. Of, okay. When I get stressed out, like my default is there's four responses, right? Fight, flight, fawn, and freeze. It's just, you're going to have one of those, but guess what? Everybody else is going to have one or two of yeah. those. And so if we are on the lookout for ourselves and other mm -hmm. people, hopefully you can try to get ahead of some things. The other thing when we're telling stories, we want them to be dramatic, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, what? We want the drama. And I really try to make the case of let's keep the drama in front of the camera, not behind the camera. I because I have been on sets. I'm sure other people have been in other creative performances where it's like, you can make a whole movie behind the scenes with, all the crazy stuff that's happening. We don't need to create that way. And in mm -hmm. fact, mm -hmm. I believe we are more creative when we're not in this stressed, oh, yes. like, traumatic, triggered space. Yes, necessity is the mother of invention. Scarcity is can come into that too of like, how are we gonna figure this out? The show is coming up. That can be part of a creative process but we don't need all the other things that go into that make it re-traumatizing for people. Absolutely. It's such a good point because when you are, when you're in that flight mode, you don't have discernment. You can't really see things the way that they are because you're putting your own filter on it. it and it's really deep. Yeah. You're, and you're not using your human brain. You're using your yeah. lizard brain, your animal brain. Exactly. <laughs> Just, it's all on instinct, it's not higher, deeper thinking. Yeah. Going back to your question, like, how do we start? If I have the time, I like to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with department heads so that we can get to learn how each other work and just mm -hmm. ask them questions about what you're really trying to do is build some community agreements, right? Of like, how do you like to work? Okay, here's how I like to work. What do you need? How do you show up best? Those sorts of things. If we don't have time to do that, the other thing I try to do is what's called a boundaries check-in. This might be a good segue. So what are boundaries, right? So I'm going to read this definition because 
it, every word is important and I want to make sure everybody gets it. So personal boundaries are guidelines, rules, or limits that a person creates to identify reasonable, safe, and permissible ways for other people to behave towards them and how they will respond when someone passes those limits. So what we're trying to do is create these guidelines, rules, or limits for each individual, right? You have your personal boundaries, and then we're trying to communicate them in a group. And that's a vulnerable thing, right? If you've not worked together before. So I usually start to model it, and then we go around, and the first day we do it, we can keep it light. Like maybe it's, please ask permission before you move my gear. Oh, okay. So very, or I've got, I have to leave at five o'clock today. So let's make sure we're wrapping up around 4.30. So we're, we're keeping it light, right? It, and if I have even more time with folks, I try to start doing some um, movement exercises. Brene Brown, love her. She has some really great wisdom, but she talks about how we move what, what's in our head and our hearts through our hands, right? Or if you can get it into, another way to think about that is if you can move it through your body, the rest of you will start to understand that body intelligence, right? So I try to do some movement exercises with people and they're very simple. They don't require a lot of choreography or anything, but it's just simple like mirroring exercises with people. And what you start to cue into is the emotional intelligence of just eye contact of when somebody doesn't want to do something. Oh. So there's things like, hey, if I'm going to move my arm there, I'm just not going to move my arm. You might be going, yeah, we're going to go do this crazy thing. And if I don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. So it's like, you have to cue into your partner and be like, oh, their eyes changed or there was some physical resistance of, oh, that's right. They can't move their arm that far because they have an injury or you start feeling these things in your body and then you can reflect on them and then we wrap up and, and talk about it. The other great thing I'll share about Brene Brown is in her book, Dare to Lead, she talks about trust and the way you build trust is her acronym is braving. So she calls it a braving inventory and boundaries represents the B. So if we can start with boundaries, we can start building trust. And from there, start creating these safer and more creative environments. I love that. And the reason why I was like, we've got to talk about this is from the work that I've been doing. I've noticed that a lot of female entrepreneurs, and then I'm now a mom, and I feel like I had this whole idea of what I thought were boundaries that are now no longer boundaries and just like this whole kind of identity shift mm-hmm. of learning it. And I'm just curious because... I had to really ask myself, what are boundaries? And really be honest with myself to start really deciding what they are. And as I continue to grow into myself, into the version that I'm always trying to become. So every day I try to do it a little bit more. I realized, wow, I could set bigger boundaries. I could set something stronger. Mm -hmm. I'm actually not prioritizing myself in this way. I'm curious, Mm -hmm. how has it been though? Because I know creatives are a little bit more in tune. I'm coming from... Simone's life, right? So maybe I'm just not the average, but then I'm coming also from the people that I've worked with that have noticed that they're not that good at setting boundaries. So 
is this something as you're talking to people, they have a lot of curiosity about and they know exactly what their boundaries are like to go because layer one, okay, yeah, I got to leave at five. I think for a lot of people, that's actually pretty hard to say. Where is that spectrum that you've been able to witness through doing this work? I would say most people are closer, at least initially when they walk in the room and they're learning these concepts for the first time, they are closer to the, I have no boundaries place. Mm. I think we'll even say that as a point of pride because in the creative space, if they've done any performance training, they've probably done some improv. And one of the rules of improv is yes and. So I'm just gonna keep going with whatever it is because that's what we're doing. The other myth that comes up often for folks in the in an entertainment space is if I say no, I'll get fired. My wow. job is to just say yes and. And so that's a very dangerous thing. And that's how coercion and harassment and discrimination and all these other things happen, right? Because initially you're just like, oh, I'm yes ending. You know, I'm yes. doing my job as a performer or creative because we're just on this snowball together. And that's when you're, if you don't put some guardrails around these things, it easily gets off track. One of the strategies I share with people is if you are the leader, whether it's a director, a producer, a business owner, things like that, you can create something that are called baseline boundaries. Mm. And so that can be how people show up to things when things start and stop. They can also be as basic as let's say you're doing a scene with somebody and you just say, there will be no touch hands to, I'm going to use some care medical terminology to talk about bodies just as a content warning for folks but you can say things like in this scene there will be no hands to nipple or hand to genitalia or genitalia to genitalia touching so Mm. you can say these things out loud and people may not have even thought of these things but by you saying them the temperature drops because people go okay i don't have to worry about it somebody else said it wow I don't have mm. to stand up for myself and say, please don't touch me in these areas. Somebody has already said that that's off limits. So I can just focus on then listening and responding to my partner, things like that. You Other baseline boundaries can be things like if you get frustrated, take a minute, leave the room, take care of yourself, come back. But in our space, we're not going to yell. So there's things that you can do as a leader, no matter what industry you're in, that are helpful. Um, and just by starting from an individual place, thinking about your own boundaries and practicing how to communicate yeah. those is so important because you're right. I think m- most of us, especially those of us who are conflict avoidant, we yes. have learned not to speak up about our boundaries and Possibly that's because when we have spoken up about our boundaries, that was not respected. And that was such a traumatizing event that we've decided to say, I'm just not going to have any because I'll be quote unquote safer if I have no boundaries. And that is a coping strategy, but we have to start unpacking that. Absolutely. I'm like, because your work starts in entertainment, but your work is like needed everywhere. 
Because I think someone might be saying, do I even have boundaries? I think that's the first question. And I'm curious for you when you think about if you went through this process, because you seem like an active learner of you started going level one, then you went level two and you've been training. Mm-hmm. Did you then evaluate your own boundaries? Like in, cause I would have, this is the extra, I'm like going to have to do this after we hang up. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, my boundaries in my time, <laughs> my boundaries in my body, mm-hmm. my boundaries in my business. Like mm-hmm. what other layers of boundaries are there? Are there? Cause there's, it's like, yeah, deep. Yeah. Boundaries are everything from any human interaction. Like how you deal with your friends, your family, your partner, children, spouse, any of these things, right? You're constantly negotiating boundaries with these people. It comes up often in the business world around when you're negotiating contracts or agreements. One way I think about boundaries is there's like my best case scenario. And then there's like my walk away. (laughs) So I have this like ceiling (laughs) and the floor And I'm trying to to negotiate somewhere in the middle of that, where I think it's a win for everybody involved. But before I go into a a contract negotiation, I need to think about what I want. So, and I might even make a a list of, I want this much money or this much time, or I want this kind of credit or whatever it is. And then there's things where I'm like, I can't even do the project if we don't have these things covered, right? Yes. So if I write those things down as we're negotiating things, or I'm looking at their version of the contract and we're doing a red line, or I'm talking to my attorney to be like, Hey, they're really pushing back on this and that's not working for me. I'm looking at that list and I'm keeping track of it and checking things off. That's fluid. Sometimes they're like, Hey, are you willing to let that go? If we give you way more money. And sometimes you're like, sure. (laughs) And other times you're like, no. You can't give me enough money to change my mind about that. But that gives me framework. Another tip I've learned is when we're thinking about boundaries, this is a carryover from thinking about consent and the Planned Parenthood actual sexual romantic experiences. But they think about boundaries in terms of colors. So red light, green light, yellow light. So it's Mm. traffic symbols, right? Green light, go, this these are all the things that I'm completely fine with. Red lights, hard stop. Nope. This is a hard no for me. I'm not going to do these things. And then yellows are like, caution. I need some more information. I might need to pause and think about it before I can give you a yes or a no. And so you can go through your life and think that. Uh, Sometimes it's just simple things like activities you can't do anymore because you too old or you have an injury or a food allergy. Those things are easy to be like, no, those are red. Greens are the things you love to do or part of living in close proximity with people and having um, intimate relationships is you don't always have to set your boundaries with those people, right? You start to learn those things. And so you can just think about the greens, a hug from my partner or my child. If those are always welcome, that you can put that stuff on the green list. You could also put it on the yellow list of, hey, if I'm really mad, that is not the time to try to approach me. Give me a hug because that is just going to trigger some things, right? And you can, the other tip I'll share for some of us, and this is myself included, sometimes finding the words to communicate boundary cross in the moment is very challenging. I will feel it in my body before I can vocalize it 
And even to say things like stop, I'm uncomfortable. I have this physical reaction first. And I find a gesture is a lot easier. Sometimes that gesture is T for timeout. You can just flash that to somebody to just be like, I have to disengage. This conversation is getting too heated, but you have to say those things. You just show the T symbol and you walk. Yes. You can do other things. I have my mom's 70th birthday coming up and my partner and I have already talked about, Hey, there's going to be a lot of people there and it could get pretty chaotic. And so do we need a symbol to just be like, is it an ear tug or like you tap your arm or, or like a double tap on your shoulder or just be like, time to go. You don't have to say anything. It's not a big discussion. It's just, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Yes. And you're ready. And you're like, all right, see everybody tomorrow. Happy birthday. So I love that think these things through ahead of time. And then how's the link? I'm always like thinking, is this a pyramid of what's a relationship? So it's, do you, you must have to figure out your boundaries then to be able to have the discussion about consent. Cause I know, so we talked about mm-hmm. boundaries, the scent, and like we talked about trauma as well. How does that, mm-hmm. if you had to think about the relationship between boundaries and consent, where does that, how would you describe that relationship? Start with boundaries and that leads you to consent. Yes. All right. Because there's a couple acronyms for consent that we can talk about. There's two different ones, but how you get there is your own understanding of boundaries and your understanding your partner's boundaries Mm -hmm. or the group's boundaries. If you're working with more, more than one person, the idea of consent is actually something that was originally defined by Planned Parenthood to talk about sexual, sexual or romantic encounters and the acronym for that is fries and that stands for freely given reversible informed enthusiastic and specific and if you think about your past romantic experiences it's really interesting once you start going through these things to go even at the moment if you thought something was consensual, you're like, actually, I didn't have all the information (laughs) before Mm. that happened. Or I said yes, and I thought I was saying yes to this, but they heard I was saying yes to this. And that led to an awkward moment where in the middle of something, we're having to go, wait a second, what are we doing? And not everybody stops in the moment either, right? Just starting there is an interesting place to think about. When we apply that to work, that same acronym doesn't really work. So there's a couple adjustments that folks have made. So this group called IDC Professionals, that's where I got my certification. It stands for Intimacy Directors and Coordinators. They adopted an acronym called CRISP. And so that stands for Considered, Reversible, Informed, Specific, and Participatory. So they kept reversible, anybody can change their mind, informed, like you want to have some information so you know what you're agreeing to, and specific, which is the nitty gritty of what are we actually doing, right? Okay. Those are important for real and performed things, right? Whether it's intimacy, romance, or just like professional work, right? But we have to replace the letter, some letters, because considered or excuse me, let me look at my acronym. Okay, so enthusiastic doesn't 
really apply to work situations because you can have varying levels of enthusiasm. Sometimes the thing just needs to get done, right? Yeah. But you don't want to have this out of body experience, right? You So you want to be able to stay present and fully participate in whatever it is. So that's important. And the other one was considered. They added considered. And that's important because we want to understand all the power dynamics in play. So you might, for example, be comfortable doing something with somebody that's at the same level of the company, but the mm -hmm. minute a higher up asks you to do something, you might pause. And that can be yes. as simple as like a drink after work. Sure, it's a peer, there's nothing weird. Your friends outside of work, you'll have a drink after work, right? But the minute yeah. a higher up says, hey, do you wanna meet for a drink after work? You might go, I don't know. <laughs> exactly power dynamic here what are we going to talk about could something happen if there's a substance involved you want to consider all of those different things i'm curious because it's like these are the framework but i have i actually do have an example now because we talked about offline oh, oh do i have an example yeah. so i can tell it to you i don't know where it, where it would fall but before yeah, i tell give it, it to you me. I guess, we'll workshop it okay let's <laughs> workshop it it just popped up. So I'm like, this is a perfect one. Okay. And then I'll ask my next question. So it's right when I started my business and I was just like you did, I job shadowed. So I worked with another CPA firm. I did their business development. And I remember it was right when I was getting into the cannabis industry and I landed this client that it was like, I don't know, 25 K proposal or something like this. And then he hadn't signed it. And then he left me, what was it, a message. I don't know if it was an email or text message. And it was like, if only you were a little bit older and I was a little bit younger, I wish these mm. things could work or something so inappropriate. Mm. And I remember, because I've dealt with, I think that actually I've had a lot of trauma in my childhood. Mm. So I feel like I'm pretty good at being like, no, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. And I remember being at, now he's my husband, but my boyfriend's house at the time, like, what? Because it was a power dynamic. It was putting mm -hmm. $25,000 on mm -hmm. this line of, do I want to do this or do I not? Mm -hmm. And I didn't second guess it, but I would, second guess is not the right word, but there was hesitation. Oh, mm -hmm. what does this mean? Do I cut it off straight away? Mm -hmm. And in the mm -hmm. end, I was like, I don't like this. This is not mm -hmm. going to be able to work. Don't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. This is about six, seven years ago. And in the end, it was a firm and he ended up working with another partner. So I didn't even work with the person. Mm -hmm. What do you, I, I'd love to workshop that yeah. because that's how I, that's how I yeah. still think I would have responded. Maybe now I would have mm -hmm. been a little bit more like, why do you think you can say that and had more confidence mm -hmm. in being able to mm -hmm. explain this is totally inappropriate. I don't mm -hmm. think I said that. Yeah. I wish I could go back to those texts, but they're long gone. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry that happened to you. And I wish that was less common. And un yeah. unfortunately, I think people who identify as women or we come from other marginalized communities. And when you add an intersection of those things together, it is yeah. much more common that people feel they can say things like that to us. Number one, I just want to start from... I, I apologize that's happening. That makes me feel 
like we still have work to do, right? Yeah. Secondly, I want to just commend you for taking the pause. The that experience gave you pause, so you took the pause. So that's giving you an opportunity to tune in to try to get the message from your body up to mm. your mind to say something's mm. not right. I don't want to move forward. You, and you don't have to unpack everything in the moment to be like, where is mm. this stemming from? Because that's you can't do that level of thinking when you're in a stre stress response or a trauma response. But I think what you did was you started going th through this CRISP acronym, whether you knew it or not. Oh. oh. Because you started to consider what does this mean, mm. right? Mm. You recognize that you had agreed to something, but this action was now making you second guess it. So that's the R part. That's what makes it reversible. Mm. You had information, right, about this person. You understood the power dynamics. You knew mm -hmm. how much money was on the line, right? Mm -hmm. There was a specific experience with this person where that crossed that line for you. So that's the yeah. S specific. Mm -hmm. And participatory, the P, you decided not to do it because you did not ah. want to participate with this person. So you went through it and you just didn't <laughs> know the acronym. <laughs> but it's a real, this is why I find like just introducing this framework is really helpful for people yeah. because I go through this and it can be for an innocuous thing like attending a zoom meeting where i know there's going to be some sort of conflict about like how is the board going to spend this grant money or it can be like these little things yeah. and yet i now go through my crisp checklist to be like okay how do i want to participate am i going to be on camera am i going to be off camera am i going to be in the chat or not you just go through these things and you can figure out your consent yes. that day but I going back that. to your example, Simone, I, I think ultimately it sounds like you made the right decision not to work with this person and you listened to your body. There was something that you were like, mm, mm -hmm. no, th this doesn't work. And even for that price tag, that's not worth your mental and your physical health. And no. I think that's the tricky part, right? If we're working in a place of scarcity and sometimes these emerging businesses you're young or emerging founders or mm -hmm. like you're in a creative endeavor and you never have enough money right you're coming from this place of just make it work or i really need the money because i have to pay rent or whatever these things are and so it makes it hard to walk away but mm -hmm. you would probably counsel any of your clients like if it's no deal is better than a bad deal right exactly and in this situation it's, it's the same thing no deal was better than a bad deal to work with this person and yeah, so yeah. you valued your mental and your physical health over whatever that financial pay yes and i think that's like how you it's all about redefining wealth right so like the w yeah. is your wallet but your mental and your physical health are like the h in wealth and your experiences mm. and all that and I'm just thinking if anyone is listening to this and has ever been in the same situation, it's like you're, you nailed it. It's like coming from that scarcity where you believe that's the only solution mm -hmm. is only going to open up a bigger can of worms down the road. Like if you had, mm -hmm. if you had decided, 
if you feel the physical sensations of like, no, this doesn't make sense. And then you decide mm -hmm. to go through with it. You've almost, it's like the slippery slope. Then what's mm -hmm. next? You and it's yes like, to this. What else are they going to get? Exactly. And especially with power dynamics, it seems like, I, I gosh, I'm like, you have so much work to do. <laughs> you're like, you got to teach women about this stuff. And that's why I'm glad you're on the podcast. But it's, yeah. I guess because I have to get you on again, like we're about to wrap up and I'm, and there's so much still to unpack. And I think that we can know all these things and we have to embody them. But what happens, I think for a lot of us, is that we're afraid. We're afraid mm -hmm. of actually mm -hmm. speaking up. We're afraid yeah. of doing the thing, of saying it even when it's freaking scary. Mm -hmm. What can you tell mm -hmm. somebody? What guidelines, what framework, or what can you just mm -hmm. give us to, to remind us that's actually not the case, that there's so much more power with being able to speak your voice? I wish there was one thing I could share and that would make it easy for everybody. I think it really just comes down to practice. And one of the simple, seemingly simple exercises that we did in my training, um, they were like, for the next week, say no to something at least once. And it could be anything, right? But like that, some people have so little experience saying no that like that was the stretch goal for them. It could be anything. Yes. Do you want a second helping of mashed potatoes? No. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Or it could be like somebody coming up to you at the store asking if you want to try a sample or ask somebody asking you out on a date or somebody asking you to stay late at work to finish a project, whatever it is. Like you're, you just have to practice. And as you practice, it gets easier. It's a muscle. But I, I think starting in relationships where it's, you have a more, equal power dynamic or if you're in any of your intimate relationships whether it's a family or a spouse or something like that if you feel and there's power dynamics in that too in some people's environments right but if you feel comfortable enough just practice and then it becomes easier one thing I like to do also is write it out like sometimes mm -hmm. I have to again move the things from my head and my yes. heart through my hands. So sometimes I just have to type out my response to something, even if I yes. don't send the letter, but sometimes I just need to be like, <laughs> you know, like yes, the anger and the stress out of, and you did this and that's unacceptable. Like sometimes I just have to do that. I can delete it. I can burn it. I can do whatever I need to, but that just helps me process my thinking around it and find the language because again i felt it in my body before my words could express themselves around it it's so true because when you're holding it in your body like you're stuffing down those emotions in your body and you have to be able to release them and so doing the somatic work or just as brene brown said and you mentioned is like writing it out or moving it through is let it happen and let it go and stand with it it's it's mm -hmm. so powerful and, but, and if you don't, I'll just say that's where you have these moments where if you people have just stuffed down, there's yeah. going to be that moment where something really small and minor to everybody else is going to happen. And that's yes. going to be your powder keg moment. I'm just like, a boom. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then your reaction is not matching what the rest of us are, have seen. 
but that becomes a traumatic moment for everybody. So instead of inflicting more trauma on people, deal with your stuff. Yes. <laughs> so that yeah. you can show up and be participatory with other people. So true. Wendy, so what's your plan for these next? You've now <laughs> learned all this stuff. You're giving these workshops. What's the big vision? The big vision is still helping that ecosystem in creative spaces. But you're so right that this work around consent and boundaries can and I think should be happening everywhere. So this is why I'm so excited to talk with you on this podcast, because I really think there is about female entrepreneurship that I would love to be able to talk about this. I would love to be able to do a half day training. However it shows up, I would love to um, do more speaking events around this just because I oh, yeah. think it is so important. And if we just do it here and there piecemeal, we're not going to fix no. the ecosystem. Not at all. The other thing I would like to do, and I'm talking to a couple of different companies right now, but doing deep dives with their teams in their offices mm -hmm because they're in these creative environments and they're like, things happen quickly when we get a project and we know that we're missing things or we know we're not building consent as we're going. We've got this slowdown right now with the writer strikes and actor strikes and who knows what else is going on. But I think now is a great time to do this professional development to actually un oh unearth God. some of these things and do some practice. So that when we do get busy again, it's okay, we know how to do this. Yes, in a, you know, in a better, exactly. safer way. To me, it's that's the value proposition is because it's such a deep work. It's like, you can't like, okay, that's great. There's production. We've signed whatever. You're in the pre-production phase. Mm -hmm. I don't know when you would come in, but it seems like you'd want to have already like worked with the, those people. Mm -hmm. So they already know it's that's, I feel mm -hmm. like it's like getting, it's almost before that part of it. Like it's embedded yep. in they're training, right? Like they're yeah. training. They have to go through your work. It just, it's the way I feel like every entrepreneur would have, I would have benefited from that. I know so mm -hmm. many women, especially I was mm -hmm. thinking women in finance that are still totally. working in corporate. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I think I just did not let that bother me. And no, mm -hmm. it didn't, I guess it didn't impact me, mm -hmm. but I just remember thinking how so many people would sleep with each other to get promotions. Mm -hmm. This is in corporate mm -hmm. finance. So mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. the power dynamics are really real. And mm -hmm. unless your mom taught you that, unless my mom always taught me a lot of this stuff, know your boundaries, all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I had some pretty good values going in. Mm -hmm. And I just never, I, I'm going to work hard for what I want. I don't mm -hmm. need anybody mm -hmm. to help me get there. I do the coaches, but not without, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about. And I feel that the lawyers, the accountants, these in the corporate, the agency mm -hmm. worlds all really could mm -hmm. benefit mm -hmm. from this to remind yeah. these young people, this is what consent is. This is what boundaries mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Really. Thank you. And I would say this is not just for the young. This is no. This is for the older folks too. And that's where you're going to get resistance, right? The people at the top of the pyramid are going to say, what power dynamics? <laughs> Everything's mm -hmm. fine. You know, because they're not having to set any boundaries. They get whatever they want, you know? Yeah. It's, yes. But they have to, like business owners have to start rethinking, like, okay, how do we make decisions? Yes. Like, how do we celebrate and have these parties or holiday parties or whatever it is, or 
who do I ask to work late and come in early or on weekends? And who do I never ask these things? Once you start looking at all these different things, you, you'll start to see your patterns. And hopefully that leads to some changes in how you run your business and also who you work with. Exactly. But I love what you said. It's about rethinking wealth. And I think that that's so true. It's yeah. re redefining success, redefining wealth. And I, I feel like the pandemic was in a lot of ways a reset for a lot of us. And we're finally having the awareness to go like, oh, no, I like being home with my family <laughs> at certain times of the day. I'm unwilling to work at take emails at 10 p.m. at night or just valuing mental health exercise, like any of these other things that we were able to reset during the pandemic. I think that's part of what we're carrying forward into the, the new way of working. And we've had these big cultural movements, the Me Too movement, the movement for Black Lives Matter. We've had, we're talking about unions again. We're talking about health insurance again. We're talking about these big social support networks that had been pushed to the side and we're now going, oh no, these are actually really important yes. and we need these to be productive. So yes. I, I feel like it's all well-timed. Totally Again, it is. just comes down to individuals and companies making the investment to say, no, we want to do better. We want yes. to communicate better. We want to treat people better. And being able to show them like, hey, this actually, if you're talking numbers, this actually is going to translate to numbers. Yeah. It's not that this is totally. just some fluffy stuff. This is empowering your people in a completely different way that is much needed. So it's, to me, it's a no brainer. It's just, I guess, having those conversations, which I guess leads me to the next question. How do people okay. find you? What if they're, what if they're like, we want to work with you. We want this workshop. We want, we want, we want to work with the Wendy. How do they find you? <laughs> yes. So I actually launched a new website. It's windyborman.com. So I rolled everything together. The films, the consulting, and the consent forward work is now all available on my website. Awesome. And also I am doing a couple workshops. The next one's oh. coming up for folks in Portland on August 28th. So that's at the Portland Art Museum. It's called Consent Forward Creativity. So I encourage folks to sign up for my newsletter and to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm at Wendy Borman on LinkedIn. So they can find out about all the next things. And please drop me an email or book a 30-minute virtual coffee. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm so, so happy that we are connected and part of a community that are really focused on building true freedom in our business and in our life. So if you love this, if you liked it, if you found some value in it, please make sure that you like it and you subscribe to the podcast. If you're feeling extra, extra grateful, share it with a friend, anyone who might have needed this. The more people that we can help collectively, the better we're all going to be. Until next week, have a beautiful, lovely, happy, and fulfilled week.